0: Daily Roto Podcast with Ricky Sanders, Tony Cicada, getting you ready for action on April 10th, 2015. And of course, we've got opening day happening again. So even though it's a Friday, traditionally a weekend that we have night games, there'll be a lot of day games on this afternoon. Ricky, how are we doing, my man?
1: Man, it's crazy how baseball works. We had a night where basically over 200 last night was winning tournaments, and now barely over 100 tonight's going to take it home. So that's how it goes in daily baseball. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Here's the craziest thing is that you need to really, at this time of year, you really got to do a great job on your bankroll management and just stay in line and not go crazy. This afternoon... I didn't win a single game that I played in. And then tonight I played eighteen games and I went eighteen for eighteen. Um, that is telling you that you have to just do the same thing consistently, it'll break. Uh I've had a couple really good days and I've days where I got skunked, but I've profited on the season. Uh, I'm up I'm I'm up over <sighs> I'm probably up over five times my initial investment in the first week of the season. So it, it's been a good start. But I haven't gone crazy and played more money in one day compared to another day. It's just when everything's oh, it's it's actually hit. And by staying with the system, I'm not going to get exploited uh, by having a really bad day.
1: Yeah, baseball's not a sport you want to go on tilt, at least in basketball. You know, you can look at a Thursday night slate where there's three teams and one of them's your favorite team and you know their rotation well, and you can say, well, I had a horrible Wednesday night, so I'm going to play bigger tonight because I think I know these teams better. But baseball, there's so much, there's so little margin for error. You know, a guy throws a curveball and a half of an inch a guy misses it by and hits it to the warning track and it could have been gone and all of a sudden he's 0 for 4. And baseball is just so unpredictable, and you know over the long run, if you're doing the right thing, you're going to win. In the short term, you know, if you have a bad slate, you don't want to go on tilted baseball because you want to stay on path, and that's really how you make money in the daily baseball game.
0: So tonight I played 18 games over at Fantasy Aces. I played one game at FanDuel and one at DraftKings. And, And I won the FanDuel and DraftKings game. But what was more remarkable is that I won with Ian Kennedy in my lineup. Now, Ian Kennedy left the game at two and a third inning. Uh, There's reports of a back strength, a back or a hamstring injury. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But he was a hundred percent owned in all the games at, at Fantasy Aces that I participated in.
1: <laughs> I was going to say on DraftKings, I was getting ready to throw things, and I looked at it, and it was eighty-eight percent. And I, heard, you know, I was talking to people on FanDuel, it was close to ninety. So. You know, everyone loved the matchup. He, he's a strikeout pitcher. He was over 200 last year. There was really not that much to like. But as it is with baseball, you know, pitchers are tough to rely on. You know, there's a lot of problems that can happen, usually arm, but tonight it was hamstring. So everyone got roasted, so at least you still had a chance if you used him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, there was a couple people that paired him with Tim Hudson, Hudson looked like he pitched a good game, but, of course, the problem with Hudson, he never strikes anybody out, and tonight he decided to walk four people. Yeah, Tim Hudson's not a guy
1: I'm really ever considering. You know, if there's a night where Tim Hudson's going to win guys the big tournaments, that it's not going to be a night that I'm going to win because I like the guys with the strikeout potential. You know, Obviously, it depends on the site format, but I'd rather have a guy who's going to give you know, strikeout 10 and he might give up two, three earned runs in six innings than rely on a guy who you need a complete game with two strikeouts on to get you know that same amount of points.
0: So I used as my number two pitcher Toronto Blue Jays Derek Norris, who was pitching against the New York Yankees, and he got a left-hander against a lot of left-handed bats. And of course, the right hander, Alex Rodriguez, went deep against him. And he had a little trouble in the sixth inning, but pitched absolutely great until that point. And Derek Norris was a key to victory for me.
1: Yeah, and as I mentioned to you via direct message, there was an interesting little story on Daniel Norris today that really had me intrigued. Apparently. He lives in a van which he nicknamed Shaggy. It's a 1978 Volkswagen van. He used to park it literally down by the ocean. They told him to move so he lived in a Walmart parking lot all off-season in his van. Despite the yeah. fact that he just signed a 2 million dollar signing bonus. You didn't know this? You didn't know this
0: before today?
1: I did not know this. Somehow some way, usually these stories find a way to me, but oh my god, was it funny. They the part of the story that you may not have known is that in the off season he put a photo on Instagram of himself shaving his beard with an axe? So they had a team representative fly down to make sure he wasn't going crazy, but it was just Daniel Norris being Daniel Norris.
0: Yeah, this guy's an interesting dude, and it's interesting. Like all the people complain about these athletes that go out there and you know and uh, make things happen and some crazy around them. Hey, this is a guy living out of a van. It'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it is the SNL skit, Come to Life, the van down by the river. It makes you think of Chris Farley, but, you know, I was watching a documentary earlier, and that's just who he
0: is. So tonight will be the first night of the Fantasy Aces Baseball Championship, which they'll have $250,000 tournament, live event final at the Big A in Angel Stadium, a home run hitting contest, and $100,000 to the first prize. Uh, I want to uh, qualify to get in this. I'm going to go in it with one entry. Uh, I had some success this week taking on a big field with one entry. Uh, we'll see how it plays out tomorrow as I try to get out there and uh, compete for a championship with FantasyAces.com. The
1: actual fantasy players will have a chance at the home run derby. Is that yes. oh, is that correct?
0: That is correct.
1: What would, would you if the over under was set at half a home run? What are you taking?
0: For myself, now they're gonna move uh they're gonna move the batters box to about second base is <laughs> what I'm told and uh I'm still you know what i i would actually I would actually practice and and prepare myself for this uh contest, so I'm gonna go over and I'm gonna go to church
1: <laughs> well, I would take the under and I would love to watch the live stream of that.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely sure. As If you guys have participated in the Fantasy Aces Basketball uh, Championship or the Fantasy Aces Football Championship, they have a live camera crew at these events, and I do the hosting of uh, the the uh, commentary on them. So uh, at least I might get the day off from doing the hosting gig.
1: Well, let's see. You put flip the hat backwards, you know, be a Ken Griffey Jr. rejuvenated and take some swings. I, w- I would love
0: to watch it. Napster the man, uh, which will come out later in the video. and Naps, the man called Drew Denkmeyer out. Of course, Drew Denkmeyer of DailyRoto.com saying he would have no opportunity uh, at defeating him in this uh, baseball championship. Because Drew might have excelled at tennis, but he thinks he didn't have the upper body strength to take him on, uh, on the baseball field. Uh,
1: I think... Some form of backhand has to translate to a baseball swing, wouldn't you think? In my opinion, there's no excuse. If he
0: can play tennis, I think he should take the shot. And we'll see how that one plays out. Tomorrow, the festivities start out with opening day in Colorado. Uh, We have Travis Wood and Tyler Matzik going at each other. Two left-handers in this one. Las Vegas says, hey, your total's number 10 on this one. We have not had a game total of 10 this year. Now, with the left-handed pitching, I really look at this game as Troy Tulewitzki all of a sudden becomes a guy that will be the best play on the day in Daily Fantasy. Nolan Arenado will be another top play, but don't forget the likes of Drew Stubbs and Will and Rosario. I think both these guys will get a shot in the lineup on opening day. Yeah. Will and Rosario, again, was. A, I didn't know if you were going to go there, but there was a guy I had starred for tomorrow
1: who may or may not be cheaper than he should be. Of course, Tulowitsky against Travis Wood, who really is horrendous, gave up 16 homers to righties last year, 293 batting average, and 371 weighted on base average in the worst pitcher's ballpark against a damn good lineup. You know, I think those Rocky righties are pretty much a lock tomorrow.
0: And on the Cubby side of things, uh, Chris Bryant isn't in town yet, uh, so people uh, can't put him in their lineup yet. Uh, uh, Jorge Sola is going to be in the lineup. A guy like Chris Coghlan, if you go for cheap in Colorado, uh, hitting fifth in that lineup, there will be a lot of guys that you'll have an opportunity from a Cubs perspective.
1: Yeah, as bad as Travis Wood is against righties, you know, Tyler Matick's line almost looks identical from last year. So that, you know, I can understand the Vegas line here playing it in cores. You want to attack the Cubs righties like you wanna attack uh, you know, the Rockies. It's gonna be sixty seven and partially cloudy, up in the mountains. It's a good hitting atmosphere. I like Solaire, I like Starlin Castro who'll probably be at the top of the lineup. I like Fowler who's probably gonna be leading off. So I like the Cubs righties, I like the Rockies righties, and I think it's going to be a slugfest.
0: And, of course, tomorrow there's two slates. There's an early slate and a late slate in Daily Fantasy. Uh, I kind of like the, uh, the the separate action that you have uh, open to you with the uh, opening days happening at various times uh, throughout the season. So we'll see how that plays. Of course, that's a 4 o'clock game there. With a 7 o'clock game, we have the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies. We had Steven Strasburg and Matt Harvey today. And if you didn't watch the game, you'd think Strasburg was touched up. But uh, basically, Ian Desmond couldn't catch anything.
1: Yeah, Ian Desmond really, really ruined him today. I mean, there was a ball that should have been a double play that got him out of the inning. And then after that, there were a bunch of pretty much bloop singles that ended Strasburg and caused a really, really bad inning, made his, his slash line look bad. You know, in yearly leagues, he's a guy I'd be targeting, and I I wouldn't really be worried about him from a DFS perspective for the next game. Just hope that Ian Desmond can make these plays, because he was second in errors among all players last year.
0: Gio Gonzalez is my uh, top two pitcher tomorrow night uh, in nighttime action. He'll be in the lineup when you have two lineups. He faces Jerome Williams, seven and a half total. The only negative on Gio I have is I don't like the ballpark in Philadelphia, but it plays smaller with the weather. Uh, Thus far, being very cold in Philadelphia. Well, it's supposed to be warmer tomorrow, but I'm not worried about Gio Gonzalez. I mean, there's a
1: guy, if you're looking for strikeout percentage, you're probably going to get it, especially against the Phillies. I mean, he's just solid against both sides of the plate, even though he's a lefty. He's facing Jerome Williams, who's really a below-average, over-the-hill Major League pitcher. So there's a lot to like about
0: Gio Gonzalez. St. Louis and Cincinnati, John Lackey and Jason Marquis. I've gone through and made a, a little bit of lineup here. Now, the St. Louis hitter should get a bump uh, playing in Cincinnati, which is a great offensive park. And I've actually used Matt Adams and Jason Hayward in my lineups for tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Those are the two guys I had absolutely starred because Jason Marquis is absolutely terrible against lefties. You know, it's a little bit of a platoon for Matt Adams, but it's safe to say against a guy who really struggles against lefties, he'll be in the lineup. He'll probably be hitting towards the middle. Hayward will probably be hitting second, if I had to guess. So they'll get lots of opportunities to smack a guy around who's been smacked around before. I love the
0: two of them. Ricky Sanders, Tony Cincona, right here, the Daily Roto Podcast, and we're getting all fired up. Now I got to ask you, Joey. Voto, sometimes I call him Voto, and people get like crazy. Like, I say a million things wrong, but that one really bothers them. Um, so, for the people that are offended, get ready. You'll be offended by a lot more if you keep listening to the show. Um, he's going against, in this game, he's going against John Lackey. Lackey actually has better numbers recently than we had. Uh, of course, uh, Voto is a guy that's had problems with power, but through three games of the regular season, he looks like he could be back. You got Jay Bruce here who last year struggled, who's got some uh who got a home run already. Any of the Reds interest here against Lackey, I look at it with the full slate of games, I'm finding better opportunities elsewhere. Well, I think if I were to lean
1: anywhere, it's Billy Hamilton. Uh Lackey really He's been solid, but a little bit below average against righties. Obviously, I'm not scared to play Votto, who likely will get on base in some way, shape, or form, or Jay Bruce the fact that they're lefties. But I lean towards the righties, and I lean towards the fact that Billy Hamilton looks like he's on a speed binge this season. He has been stealing bases at a ridiculous rate. You know, It looks like he might be the majors' leader, and he's been getting on base at a higher clip the first few games. You may want to continue to ride that streak. You know, He may get on, and if he does, he's going to look to run so I like Hamilton if I'm going to look at any of them. But really, I actually think I like John Lackey as a tournament play going against Marquis. And I think he may have a chance to win the ball game.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring up Billy Hamilton because I think we all have our own style. We all have our unique way we attack our Daily Fantasy lineups. And if you listen to uh, the show, you can tell what we how we go about it. And if you get the uh, Daily Fantasy rundown from... The guys, Drew Dinkmeyer, Mike Leone at com. They have a certain way of tacking things. I am not likely to put a guy in my lineup based on stolen bases, with one exception. If I find a cheap player, which Billy Hamilton will never be, and he's batting at the top of the order because somebody's out or something like that, I could throw him in there and hope to get a steal or two to get that very cheap. But I have a hard time paying Billy Hamilton you know, as a top 10 or 20% outfielder, hoping he gets on base and steals bases. For me, this game's all about power, and sometimes I neglect those players.
1: Yeah, and I certainly understand that argument. You know, Billy Hamilton, not exactly an average hitter. He's not exactly an on-base guy. But in terms of, you know, pure stolen base guys, Compare him to Ben Revere or D Gordon. He actually has a little bit of home run potential. you know they'll be in Cincinnati, which certainly you could help his cause and if he does get on base, I understand that you know the the, the likelihood of it isn't great, but of those guys, he's got the power potential, so I think he. I'm usually comfortable with him, especially on the speed bench that he's been on. You know, I, I understand the argument for the mid tier type guys, but he's so elite and he's been stealing, you know, literally two bases a night for the start that, that and he hits first, which obviously helps that I'm willing to take that chance every once in a while, but I agree with you, you know, normally I lean towards power.
0: The New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves go at it. Seven total in this one. Atlanta's slight favorite. Couple lefties here, Jonathan Neese and Eric Stultz. Eric Stoltz will never throw the ball by anybody. This is a good pitcher's ballpark. I'm not saying anyone jumps out at me uh, to uh, take on the Mets situation, but David Wright definitely comes into play. I, Based on the early looking and seeing the other games, I will not be using David Wright, but he's a guy you have to at least consider.
1: After looking at Eric Stoltz's splits, and not that I really need to look at him, you know, I was in the NL (laughs) only last year. I had him. In my notes, I literally just wrote, he's the woat, as in the worst of all time. He's terrible. David Wright hit the ball the hardest of anyone against Strasburg today. Not that today really does matter, but, you know, it's supposed to be rainy. If it turns out there's a little bit of sunshine, I have no problem loading up on Mets hitters against him. Stoltz, you know, he goes with a... Tipping curveball at about 70 miles an hour. He just really doesn't fool anyone. Everyone's above average against him. I could see the Mets teeing off.
0: And then you have Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. Jeff Locke, left-handed pitcher. versus Mike Fires, who uh, last year came out of nowhere, really excelled in uh, baseball. It would be interesting to see here. He's got an eight total in this game. Great hitting environment in Milwaukee. But Fires had some back injuries, that he had a tough time in spring training pitching. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Locke was a guy that actually didn't pitch well. Vance Worley had better numbers, but they chose to go with Locke in the rotation. Uh, in this one, you've got a couple right-handed bats uh, for Milwaukee that should go. Adam Lind, of course, who's uh, had a pretty good first week, probably won't be in the lineup as lefty on lefty. He's absolutely one of the worst hitters in the league.
1: Yeah, I'm a little scared to roll with fears in this one. After the the injury you speak of, you know, he was solid last year. If you go by last year's numbers alone, he looks like someone to start. But of the day, like you said, Milwaukee, you know, they could always close the roof, making it one of the better hitting environments of the night. The over-under is a little bit high, and I'm just a little worried about him to the fact where there's other pitchers I feel better about. And you mentioned Jeff Locke, pretty awful against righties in a pretty decent sample size last year. Over 100 innings, so you can look at Jonathan LaCroix, Carlos Gomez, or Ramos Ramirez. I think those all make for really, really good plays.
0: And then, of course, we have the Dodgers in Arizona in a great ballpark for offense. Arizona, eight and a half total. Brett Anderson is healthy, makes the start, versus Chase Anderson, who's a middle-of-the-road pitcher, to put it nicely. Uh, The Dodgers' bats uh, will be a welcome addition here uh, and Brett Anderson's interesting because even when Brett Anderson was at his best, not a big strikeout pitcher, injuries have definitely derailed his velocity. Uh, I think you're going to get guys uh, here at Arizona. Uh, unfortunately, he's had a different lineup each and every night. But that being said, it'll provide some cheap players for you in that Arizona lineup.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Brett Anderson has actually had lefties hit him better throughout his career. But that doesn't make me scared of Goldschmidt or or doesn't make me scared of any excuse me of the lefties. I really like Goldschmidt against him. Uh, you know, and then Chase Anderson, let me give you the name of a hitter that will be in hundred percent of my lineups tomorrow night. Yasil Puig. righties actually, absolutely rocked him last year. Howie Kendrick's another one you can take. You know, it's gonna be eighty and sunny. We know Arizona's a good hitters par- park where the ball can carry. I just I think there's gonna be a lot of runs in this one. I would stay away from Chase Anderson. I'd actually be more likely to use Brett Anderson if you're going to, you know, punt in a tournament, but I think the Dodger righties are the play in this game.
0: San Francisco, San Diego, Tim Lincecum, and Brandon Morrow, a great pitchers ballpark in San Diego. I look at both these offensive lineups, and in in this environment in the seven total, I won't go at it here, but in two pitcher leagues, as far as uh, nighttime games, Tim Lincecum becomes interesting at San Diego and so does Brandon Morrow. Uh, two guys down on price, guys that have not pitched well, uh, one because of injuries and one because I don't know, he he's career's falling apart. Uh I don't like either of these guys as a second pitcher, even though I think there's an opportunity for both of them to come through.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I kind of view them the same as that they have talent, but they're very wild. They, you know, on any given outing, they could either strike out ten or they could walk ten, and it is a good pitcher's environment. And really, you know, I look at them and I can't really decide which one I like better, just because they're so similar to me. And I just, I guess you could go in a tournament, play hitters against one and play hitters against the other. You know, you could do your stacks, but it's, it kind of seems like a low probability outcome to me, and it's a game I'll probably avoid for the most part.
0: A game you should definitely avoid. But in this one, we're going to have a big outing from Toronto and Baltimore going at it. And I don't know if Las Vegas has lost their mind, but one of the casinos out in Las Vegas has a total at seven. Every other one had at eight. I don't know the name of the casino that has it at seven, but you should go there and, and take the over. As Mark Burley and Bud Norris go against each other, got to ask you, Jose Batista might not have had a worse five days than he's had the start of this baseball season. He's got a ton of strikeouts, not any hits, and he gets Bud Norris tomorrow. Knowing that Jose Batiste is going to break out, do you jump on him when a guy's down? Yeah, I
1: think that is the time to jump on him when the price, as long as the price is reflecting his cold streak. You know, if the price is staying the same while he's going through the cold streak, you know, they're... There is value to it because we know eventually he's going to be that elite hitter once again. But, you know, I'd prefer to get the value with the price as well. And if that goes down, you know, the matchup really isn't 100% in his favor. Bud Norris is stronger against righties, but he's Jose Batista, so you could use him. You know, we're talking about a pretty decent ballpark, a pretty decent lineup. So I I, I agree. I think Jose Batista, if his price is down, will be someone that you could use in tournaments.
0: And then, of course, on the other side, uh, you got Mark Burley, who uh, will never throw it by anybody. A Baltimore lineup that I thought was weaker than we've seen in the past. Uh, but, you know, a guy, guys in there having some power, great offensive ballpark here. Are you going to attack Mark Burley with any of the right-handed hitters?
1: It's weird because he's kind of – Average against both sides of the plate, so there's yeah. not really one side of the plate that I'm favoring. but if I were to use someone, I mean obviously you'd want to go with the Power righties just from their split standpoint. uh you know, I like Adam Jones, I like a bunch of the guys uh on their side, but really not a game i'm I'm targeting hitters in there's supposed to be rain in this one as well. uh I know the pitchers are kind of average, but there's other situations that you know I'd rather attack.
0: Detroit and Cleveland, Alfredo Simone and Zach McAllister. Simone had a great year pitching in the great American small park, but not a lot of strikeouts in his repertoire. That worries me. Zach McAllister's guy that's underachieved the last couple of years. Put it together in spring training so he could make the roster and nail this down. Uh some of the casinos has the game at eight and a half as Detroit is built he's absolutely beat up on Minnesota pitching.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to avoid Alfredo Simon. He pitched really well last season, but we're talking about the National League versus the American League, where he's going to be going against a design, designated hitter on the other team, which you know is likely going to be a a Brandon Moss or a Carlos Santana or one of those guys instead of a pitcher. So it remains to be seen how he does, you know, not striking guys out. In that in that case, uh, Zach McAllister actually was worse at home and he's worse versus lefties, but nothing really that crazy. You could go with some Tiger lefties, but I kind of just like Tiger hitting as a whole. Call it a gut feeling, but I think they come out and they smoke them. It's 62. It's supposed to be partially cloudy, so it shouldn't be too bad. We'll see if the rain holds off. I actually really
0: like the Tigers' hitters. Houston and Texas. Texas finally broke out of it with a big game today offensively. Uh, Mitch Mullen actually went deep, eight-and-a-half total in this one. Colin McHugh, a guy a lot of fantasy owners like in the long-season format of leagues, goes against Derek Holland, who's returning from an injury here. Houston bats have been absolutely slumping.
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard for him to get some, you know, run support. It's not like they weren't playing in the last series in a hitter's ballpark. They were at home. Now they go to Texas, another hitter's ballpark. But, you know, you look at McHugh last year, he was really effective. He was, uh, you know, he's slightly weaker against lefties for his career, but still solid. So, if you know, if you don't want to go against him or you're betting against him, it's because you don't like the lineup. You think he was fluky last year, or or you're playing against, you know, not using a guy in Texas. I actually think there's a lot to like about Colin McHugh. You know, Derek Holland coming off uh, knee surgery. He had shoulder soreness early in the spring, so there's just too much for me not to like to touch him. I actually like some of the righties. I think this could be a game where George Springer goes deep. Uh, you know, I think Houston, this could be where they break out, depending on what kind of shape uh, Holland's in after the injuries.
0: Minnesota and Chicago, a nine total in this one. Tommy Malone versus Hector Noese. I told you earlier in the show that Troy Tilowiski was the number one player Daily Fantasy on Friday. Well, if there's an argument, it would be Jose Abreu against Tommy Malone. Malone, a fly ball pitcher in a park that is very small, very shallow, it could get ugly.
1: Yeah, the only problem is the forecast. It's supposed to be cold and rainy, but I agree with you. You know, Tommy Malone's a guy who's much worse on the road for his career, and that's likely because he did a lot of pitching in Oakland. Certainly Chicago is not Oakland, so there is a possibility he gets absolutely blown up. And on the other side, you know, if the weather is decently favorable towards hitting, Hector Noesi is another guy, sort of like Eric Stoltz, who I've just written down. He is a bad pitcher. So use some of the Twins' bats. You know, if you're looking for a cheaper option, maybe this is the game Kenneth Vargas breaks out or some of their power hitters in the middle. So I, I actually like a lot of hitters in this game.
0: Yeah, definitely the is going to come into play there, and check that out. Uh, with some of those White Sox big bats, I'll definitely attack uh, Tommy Malone in that one. And then, of course, the game that all of the world stops for is the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, the only game that really matters in Major League Baseball. Wade Miley and Nathan Eovaldi. The Red Sox actually held back their lefty uh, to go against the Yankees team, which is predominantly lefty. Uh, we saw Norris get a shot at him. Uh, now Wade Miley, who I think will have a pretty good year in Boston. Uh, we've got a seven-and-a-half total in some places, an eight here. He of all these, a guy that's, uh, he he looks pretty good. He throws ball ninety five, ninety six 95, 96 miles an hour, uh, but always had a problem in the past getting a second pitch. Uh, the New York Yankees were confident that this kid was going to come over and they could work with him. I think this game, that probably from an offensive standpoint, stay away from the hitters. And Wade Miley is a guy I would use as a second pitcher in two pitcher leagues.
1: Yeah. Again, the forecast for this one is not great—66 and rainy. So even though they're playing in Yankee Stadium, you know, Wade Miley, obviously being the lefty, presents a tougher matchup for them. Ivaldi, I could see. You know, there's one hitter that sticks out to me, and that's David Ortiz. If you're playing against him, but otherwise, you know, if the forecast is not good,
0: you could stay stay away from the hitters and try and attack Miley or Ivaldi. Friday is lefty-lefty games. Kansas City, Los Angeles, Jason Vargas, Hector Santiago, another pair of lefties uh, with an eight total here. Now, I think Hector Santiago is terrible. Uh, He's got no velocity. He doesn't do anything very deceptive. And Jason Vargas is the same exact pitcher on the other side. Yet the ballpark's going to hide a lot of warts. Angel Stadium at night, the ball doesn't travel well. Mike Trout is a great play. I wouldn't put him in a a, uh, class of Abreu and Tulewitzki because of ballpark environment. Uh, That being said, he's a guy there, and I wouldn't pay up the money for him.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and it's funny. They are the same kind of pitcher. I mean, we're talking about guys who are really fastball specialists who don't have the world's greatest fastballs. The lefties, you know, Santiago's kind of almost only fastball changeup, which – Definitely worries me start to start, you know, if you're using him, if you're using hitters against him that can be good news. And Vargas, you know, he's got more of a breaking ball than Santiago. But I agree with you, the ballpark at night. I'm not in love with any of the hitters in this game. I think if you're going to go with some, I'd prefer to attack some of the Royals hitters against Santiago. But you could never really rule out Mike Trout.
0: And then, of course, uh, big game at the end of the night when you head out, uh to the west coast and you get those ten o'clock games. A guy that if the weather on a couple of starters that I mentioned to you uh that is in question, I'm gonna lean on this guy, Drew Pomerantz against Taiwan Walker. A lot of people will go Taiwan Walker. I'll go with the cheaper play on the other side. I love Pomerantz's strikeout ability. He's out of Colorado, now pitching in Oakland. He looks like a different guy I think from a K per nine standpoint, we're talking about a guy that's going to have a K per inning. Uh, in this one, Oakland is a favorite over Seattle, and I'll actually use Pomerantz if some of those other guys are involved in weather situations
1: i 'm actually really torn on this one because these are two of the guys, and I know spring training doesn 't mean anything, but in these two cases, I think it does. These are two of the guys who look the absolute best of any pitchers in spring training. you know they 're both young talents that I think are going to be excellent pitchers throughout the course of this season. So Pomerantz being cheaper definitely makes me want to go that route, but I think Taiwan Walker looked absolutely dominant. I know he's the underdog, but really in baseball, that's it means less than in any of the other sports. I think Walker's the guy I want to go with in this one, but you know because of the pitching matchup, and it doesn't seem like it should be the greatest you know, just from a name standpoint, but I think I'm staying away from most of the hitters just because just of the way I've seen these guys pitch recently, and both of them looked pretty good, so I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and it'll probably come down to the bullpen as to who wins.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree. And Las Vegas agrees with the seven total, and I would stay away from the hitters there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. And then to round off the evening, Tampa Bay in Miami, Matt Andresi getting a start from Tampa. as uh, Man, you need a program for this Tampa Ray team. And Dan Heron, who absolutely in his last start, got crucified uh, in spring training. That's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty uh, descriptive word that I just used for Dan Heron's pitching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it shows just how much you know. He got he got crucified, as you would say, coming into <laughs> this start, and he's going into another start where the where the weather looks perfect for a second crucifixion. I'll use your term. So Heron's definitely a guy I'm staying away from. You know, the Rays lineup isn't fantastic, but. Actually, Heron was worse against righties. I think Longoria could be worth a play. I think there are other guys who are cheaper that could be worth plays. Uh, I don't love Dan Heron. He's not the same Dan Heron from, you know, three, four years ago.
0: Yes. uh, Here's what I'd like you guys to do. I'd like you to uh, create on the DailyRoto.com forum section a list of adjectives we can use in the uh, podcast. So I don't have to use that one again. Can we get a list of adjectives from the people? (laughs)
1: yes please help us out I think between the two of us we have three
0: so we really need a thesaurus Oh, my God. What the heck happened here? That's what happens when you do about 14 shows a day. You have to run out of words, and you have to uh, uh, just go down deep for your religious beliefs and, and go and take a word out of that and, and see if it will works for baseball, because baseball is a religion, and, and you go from there. Now, were you lucky enough to get an opportunity to play in the DraftKings Millionaire for the golf tournament, the Masters?
1: I was not. I didn't sign up in time, but I'm in the hundred thousand air, and I am currently cashing. And this is someone who has zero clue about golf. This is someone who just read other articles, put in the lineup, and is blindly cheering. You know, for certain six players.
0: Damn, I'm not in. I'm not in the money. I've never cashed, but I got like. It looks like all my guys, if it ended today, would make the cut which I haven't been able to do that in any of the golf tournaments yet. So I'm I'm kind of fired up about that, but I guess a lot of the favorites are uh uh in there cuz I'm not currently in the money. I'm looking forward to it. But t- is it amazing to you that the golf tournament actually sold out and people couldn't get in?
1: Yes, I was waiting until the last second to join for whatever reason, mostly because I don't know any of the golfers and I didn't want to accidentally, you know, buy a couple lineups Put them in and then forget that I just randomly clicked until I actually read some articles. So I waited, and then I, I found out that it was filled. So it was really shocking to me. I'm surprised at how much interest there is with golf. But you know, you look on Twitter, you look amongst all the baseball, football, basketball writers, they're tweeting about how they can't stand a guy just hitting, you know, who just hitting the either the lake or or a bunker, and and it's
0: really funny to me. So, you get me on Sirius XM 9 to 11 on Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 a.m. Saturdays and Sundays. And I have uh, certain contracts over there where I can't talk about certain things. But on this podcast, you guys get to hear me say whatever I want to say. So, it's a great relief. Can I tell you one thing I hate about FanDuel? Yes. The best thing that I like to do in the morning, I sleep with my phone next to me, right? And the first thing I do is I go and I check my email in the morning. And I like to open it up to, you are a winner, you are a winner, you are a winner. FanDuel don't send me emails anymore. What the heck, FanDuel? You're taking away the joy and inspiration in the start of my day. And I get emails from every other site except FanDuel. Why can't they send me an email and tell me how great I am? Yeah,
1: I don't understand. You know, I pat you on the back every chance that I have because I know how you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, FanDuel, take this as a, as a note. You need to start patting
0: him on the back more or you're going to make him angry. You know what's crazy about that, too, is when I when I get those emails, I uh, forward them all to my producer, Nano Defino, who I do the show with, Lenny Melnick, and they get really pissed off about it. Oh,
1: there's nothing better than when you wake up in the morning and you go on the DraftKings app and there's one little notification that tells you how much you won. You know, even if you didn't actually win money, it feels like you did because you won $45, even though you spent, you know, $500. Hey, I won.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely great. Now, we've got the end of basketball coming up. So, how has basketball been going for you? I'm going to be honest, I have not played a game since uh, baseball started.
1: Yeah, so I played last night's slate. And it was actually a very difficult one. I took tonight off. I'll be playing once again tomorrow. So it really, I mean, you have to have a day where you, can do, where you can do some research, look at how the rotations have been lately, because rotations in the last two weeks are much more important than rotations for the season at this point. You want to see what their current inactives are, the way they've been going, how they've been using it. And I wrote in the article last night that you really want to go for teams that still have something to play for, teams like Brooklyn, teams like Boston, um, you know, those are the ones that you, that you really want to attack at this point.
0: Now, Drew and Mike, of course, doing a great job at com with the premium content. They're working their butt off because they have the two sports at one time now. So it's really hard, I think, for people uh, to do that and be successful. But I'm looking to jump back in once the playoffs start. I feel like once the playoffs start, you have a small amount of games, which is not a great thing. I mean, I'd rather have more games. But teams are going to be done with sitting players, teams are going to be done with uh, 25 minutes per game for the Stars. I think it's a truer form there where you can just go out and hammer it. Are you looking forward to playoff basketball?
1: Yeah, and I think those are going to be the most gut-wrenching of all. You know, Whether you're doing well in a tournament on any given night, of course, you know you're going to have – that feeling in your stomach of butterflies where every play counts, but really in the playoffs, I mean, one, two points, at the very most going to decide most of the big tournament winners. So you really got to know your stuff. You really got to focus on their, their rotations. Most of them are going to tighten their rotation to six or seven players. So there's not a, really a lot of craft shoots that you get. You just you got to know your stuff. You got to know your rotations. You got to know your defenses. And it comes down to the last play.
0: The last play, absolutely knocking it out of the park. He's Ricky Sanders, Tony Sincotta, and, of course, you listen to the Daily Roto podcast. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday for everybody out there. They can get fired up and prepare for a great week of daily fantasy sports. Ricky, what kind of columns you got over at DailyRoto.com?
1: Well, it's funny because I didn't check my calendar last night when we were talking. I thought I had an MLB wrap-up article. It was actually NBA. So I did that. I've got MLB wrap-up coming up on Friday to tell you, you know, how all the big tournaments went, why they went the way they did, and then I have my NBA rotations article. So as I was just describing, you know, you can stay up to date without doing the research yourself on the rotations that are very important at this point in daily fantasy basketball. And then I've got my baseball picks that come out every Wednesday from here on out. No longer basketball picks.
0: All right. got to ask you a question. I So this is how my day starts. I, I get up, and, of course, I check those emails to find out if I'm a winner or not. And I get excited when I'm a winner. And then I roll out of bed. I get take, like, five kids to different, two different schools. And I come home, and at 8 o'clock, I turn on ESPN from 8 to 9. I'm a huge Mike and Mike fan, to be honest. I like I'm a huge Mike and Mike fan. I'm a huge Skip Bayless fan. Uh, something's wrong with me, right? Because I don't care if you're a doctor. You probably don't want to go home and watch people operate like on TV, right? But I, I enjoy these two guys. I've loved uh, sports radio since I was a kid, and, and I love watching. So I only can watch 8 to 9. And then uh, first take, I only get to watch one hour in the afternoon because uh, because of my schedule. So at 9, I'm watching today. And they're debating this topic, the NBA Most Valuable Player. And they took a poll of people that I think actually have a vote. And Stephen Curry got like 86% of the vote. And then James Harden got like 10 And I think Russell Westbrook had like 2% of the vote. How would you vote for the NBA MVP? Because I think I'm missing something here.
1: Oh, well, for a while, I thought it was Westbrook above and beyond, but now they are really right on the verge of playoff contention and for me, less than other people, you know that matters. You know a lot of people say you want the best player from the best team, and i don't believe that I think you want the player who is most valuable to his team, and clearly, with the ran out, you know they would have been nothing without Russell Westbrook. But at the same time, I want to take into consideration the standings just a little bit and the fact that Westbrook plays no defense. And really, I don't know if you would know that if you weren't, if we weren't such daily fantasy guys and we had to focus on it every day. But he really doesn't play much defense, and James Harden has improved on his defense this season. And I think yeah, you know, the, War- but... the Warriors without Steph Curry still would be functional. I, I, I would go with Harden, but I really like Westbrook as well.
0: James Harden's approved on his defense, but when you say that, he was the worst player, and now he's like the fourth worst. So I never thought about. You know what's funny about your argument? Not one of these ESPN hosts brought this up, and I think it's a hundred percent legitimate. The uh, defensive side of the ball. I don't see how Russell Westbrook doesn't win MVP as long as they make the playoffs. I'm gonna give. I definitely give you that take. You can't give it to him if they don't make the playoffs. But he's had statistically a year that's only compared to Michael Jordan in his best season and Larry Bird in one of his best seasons. Nobody else has put up the amount of triple-doubles he's put up with this team. I don't know how he doesn't get it. James Harden. Now, a lot of people in the negativity that's come with Harden, I didn't understand until I uh, listened to them, and I thought they did a great job of putting this out. Harden is taking a Houston team, and he's he's done absolutely great. But a lot of people think it's a negative though his style of play, uh, because he's they think that instead of trying to score baskets, he's just simply really banging into people to try to get to the foul line 14 times a game. I've never heard that as a negative criticism before, and it's part of the game. Yet nobody else is going, I guess, to these uh, extreme circumstances that James Harden's going, and Stephen Curry. I kind of thought the way you did, saying that hey you know what, they would make the playoffs even without Stephen Curry. Then they brought out that Stephen Curry is the only guy in the consideration that makes people better. And I truly believe that. I believe Jermon Green would be just another player without Stephen Curry in that lineup. And I actually look at Klay Thompson. If he didn't get wide-open looks, would he be able to do what he did, what he's doing? I mean, he came into the league with very little pedigree from an offensive standpoint, known more as a defensive player, worked on his jump shot, and one of the best jump shots in the league. Curry's actually done a better job at making everyone better, which the other two guys can't say.
1: Yeah, that's a fair argument. I mean, I certainly get that, especially when you think towards who the other two players are in the consideration. You know, we're not talking about Chris Paul or anything like that, but I think you're underselling how much Harden has improved on his defense, if we're going to look at that. His defensive rating is really, its I think it was around 111, 112 last year. He's improved it to 104, which really, you know, it's not quite elite, but it's not bad. You know, there are a lot of players who we say are good defenders whose defensive ratings are actually less. I think Tyson Chandler is one of those we consider elite, and his is actually higher this season. So I think Harden's done an excellent job from there. Uh, I can't really dispute your article uh, or your argument, excuse me, that Harden is kind of a flopper. I mean, he really does. Westbrook gets hammered when he gets fouled; he goes to the foul line. You know, I think Westbrook and Harden were averaging around the same amount of free throws for a month or so, you know, down the stretch. But when Westbrook goes up, you know, he gets hit in the face and he ends up with a face mask. When Harden goes up, he kind of draws the contact, and I mean, we've seen the Harden flop videos. I agree with that. But as long as it's in the rules and the refs are calling it, I mean, how can you really use that against him? You know, if all of a sudden they started saying that the rule was a guy really had to hammer you and they'd go to replay and they'd look at it, and if not, I mean, then you could start saying, well, Harden doesn't really get to the free throw line. But with the rules the way they are, you know, him scoring 30 points a game, I don't see that as a negative, especially with the fact that he's like a 90% free throw shooter.
0: Ricky Sanders, Tony Cicada, we broke down Friday night's action, just broke down the NBA race. Uh, Ricky, how about you say uh, we give a little bit bonus to the people out there. Uh, Do you think America could uh, want and survive another Bush? (laughs) I
1: I think, you know, either way it's going to be a repeat when we're talking about Bush or Clinton. Uh, If it were up to me, I would prefer another Clinton. I don't know how the public feels, but that's just my personal feeling on the
0: subject. You know, it's interesting when you talk about uh a Bush or uh, a Clinton. I didn't realize how old Hillary Clinton was. Isn't she like wouldn't she be like seventy while she was in the White House? Uh you know, I
1: don't think I realized how old she was either. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, yeah, I used to was- go to I used to go to bingo, and the older the people were, the more they were just absolutely aggravating. And they had very low thresholds, and they uh, they were just very mean people. I'm worried that uh, Hillary could be mean while she's in the White House.
1: Well, funny story, just related to guessing age You know, you asking me to guess their age I still remember as a kid going to Great America Which is the amusement park by us And the guy was guessing ages And he obviously, he's got to get within two years And we were just standing there Watching him guess other people's ages And there were about three or four people That I wasn't within eight years with So that's never been my thing I can never tell you how old someone is So it doesn't surprise me that I was way off on Hillary
0: Hillary Clinton, absolutely getting it done. If you have a presidential candidate uh, that you'd like to put in play, give us a call. Uh, we'll make sure you get taken care of at com. It's interesting this, this this guy Rand Paul, I had a uh, tweet about Rand Paul. Like, he's the candidate, like, doesn't really have a party. Uh, he hangs out with, I guess, these guys called the teabaggers. And <laughs> what they do what they do, is, like, they just complain about everybody else, and, and, and Rand Paul's their uh, guy in their people. Uh, I, I don't know what to do about these guys. Like, uh, where do I send my money to? Cause like the Democrats and Republicans always uh, send me emails and where do I send my Rand Paul money to? That,
1: that is a very good question. But you know, if there these are guys that just sit around and complain, I have had enough of that in my life. You know, I was a member of a Jewish fraternity with Jewish mothers and, uh, so I've I've had my fair share of complaining around me. I want someone to get things done. I agree with you. I I don't know much about Rand Paul, but I lean more towards uh the party affiliated people.
0: Now you have a Jewish fraternity, so that leads to the question, what kind of hazing went on in that fraternity?
1: Well, there really was nothing uh, you know, just religious based, you know, there was no matzah stuffing down people's throats or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> there were, in fact, uh, we did some of the most unkosher things there. You had to chug a gallon of milk and a huge jar of pickles amongst four people. We ate raw onions. Uh, they actually, we, I shouldn't be saying it, but I will. We swallowed a live goldfish. So we did all really? kinds of unkosher, unkosher activities. Yes, I can say in my life I've swallowed a live goldfish.
0: Peta, his name's Ricky Sanders. If you want to go after him. But <laughs> as we learned out Peta doesn't care about the worms. They don't care about the goldfish. They only protect, like, birds and other animals. Like, it's so crazy. Like, if you got to be an animal rights activist, you got to stick up for all the animals. The elephants, you want to protect them from the circus, but you don't care about Jewish fraternity people eating goldfish. What's wrong with you, <laughs> Peta people?
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, the goldfish only have a memory of 13 seconds. So even if they knew what was going on, they would forget it immediately. So...
0: How do you know that? Like, how do people know that they have a memory of 13 seconds? Like, nobody's ever talked to a goldfish.
1: You know, I always wonder that. They say dogs see in black and white, and they see that. How, how do they know?
0: I have no idea. Like, I think there are scientists out there that really don't know shit. Like, they just make things up, and people <laughs> buy, believe them. And if you get it, like, in the Wall Street Journal, it'd be like, it's real. Oh, I read it in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the whole key, is just getting in the right place.
1: Well, there's definitely a reason why there's all these medicines that come out that have been researched by scientists, and then they say, oh, by the way, if you took so-and-so and and you ended up with emphysema or you ended up with, you know, anal leakage, please call this number and we'll defend you. So obviously these scientists are not perfect, and they come out with the real information later.
0: So I'm sitting at the hospital, My my girlfriend had a procedure that – uh, and it didn't go well, so it was, it was a long day in the hospital waiting room this week. This is honest to God, folks. This is a true story. So I'm sitting there, and I'm on my phone. I, I read my phone constantly uh, during the day so I can prepare for all the shows and prepare for everything that I'm doing, and I, I'm just constantly reading. And I'm sitting there, and this, these two guys are having a conversation, And I'm not really paying attention, but I all of a sudden hear this comment from the guy sitting next to me. Uh, I had to break up with him because he didn't wear any underwear and he wouldn't protect his own junk. And I don't want to go with a man that doesn't protect his own junk. And at that point, I I felt (laughs) like I had to laugh and chuckle, so I got up and and moved.
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, That is extremely strange. If you're a man and you've ever worn jeans or you've ever, you know, you want that added protection. So if there's someone willing to do it without that, I don't blame. You said these were two guys talking about it or a female and
0: a woman? No, two guys, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, I I don't blame them. I mean, I don't swing (laughs) that way, but there's just something about that added protection and knowing the feeling of if you're not in certain in certain clothes as a guy, that it's just strange to me.
0: You know, you're talking about strange. Derek Cheetah uh, hasn't played baseball in five days, and it seems like baseball still survives.
1: Yeah, but I can't tell you how many Derek Cheetah would have made that play tweets I've seen. Really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think Derek Cheetah, being a non-player now, still commands the same type of women that he used to get back in his playing days?
1: Well, I think he's married at this point, and she's a model, so I guess the answer to that has to be yes. The question is, is he loyal to this model? Is he still looking for the other type of women on the side? Good for him either way, let's put it that way.
0: You know, what's interesting about um, why do women flock to athletes, do you think? Like, why aren't they flocking to fantasy talk show hosts?
1: I don't know. I've often wondered that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we really need a culture change. I think we need a politician from the fantasy, you know, from the fantasy uh party to change the rules, you know, that women should be flocking to us and that we really are, you know, the most attractive guys in uh, in America. Can you
0: imagine if Scott Angle had groupies? <laughs>
1: I I don't think I can. Although, you know, listening to the show, they do have
0: groupies. Oh, they Although do. I see I know. I
1: I think their name is Trucker Rob, but uh there are groupies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they they do have some trucker groupies, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Now, have you have you ever thought would you I'm going to tell you another story. This is why I I'm probably the greatest talk show host in the history is that like I talk about things in my life that you should never talk about on the radio, but I do it anyways. So, <laughs> I was dating this girl, and then I found out she told me she worked for the, the school committee, right? And so I right. thought she was, like, a a teacher or she was somehow, you know, in administration. And I found out she was a bus driver, like, after three dates. And <laughs> I, I immediately stopped the whole dating scenario because she was a bus driver. Was that shallow of me? Uh,
1: no, I mean... At least, if she could have been honest in the first part, she obviously knew there was. Well, something, she did work you know, for the with...
0: school committee, so I guess she was honest. Yeah,
1: but that's like <laughs> that's like meeting a homeless girl who says, you know, I just, I just prefer to live in the dumpster because of the space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so how would you have treated the uh, the girl that drives the bus?
1: Oh, I, I hate to be shallow, but, you know, at some point, I don't know. I guess it would have depended, you know, if there was some connection. But really, how much do you have in common with a bus driver? Did she sit and complain about things that kids said on the
0: bus? I mean, or was no, – I don't know. There's never, a lot of factors. No, yeah, it never came out. That's why it was weird to, to find it out. Like, you think about it, though. I mean, I'm not the type of guy that could go home either and talk about batted balls and play.
1: Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 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 she can't Fair go, point. you know
0: what oh, wait, Two two kids fought on the bus Another kid threw up his lunch uh, How'd your day go, honey? Well, you know what, James Hodden's really Improving his defensive efficiency
1: <laughs> Fair point I have changed my stance on bus drivers If there was something in common I would go for it
0: There you go. We've got you all the way covered right here on the Daily Roto Podcast. We'll be back Monday morning. Of course, Monday through Friday, you can get all the great fantasy sports information. And also, you get a little bonus every now and then as you get life advice from us. And this is uh, fascinating life advice uh, that you can go and pay like $90 to a psychiatrist so you can just get from us, and we'll make you feel a lot better about your own life.
1: We're changing lives by the minute, Tony, by the
0: minute. Uh, by the minute. Uh, Ricky, i got to ask you before you head out to April, the weather's getting better. Uh, what's your plan for the weekend?
1: I'm actually going to try and make it out to a Sox game this weekend, uh, weather permitting. You know, there were tornadoes all over Illinois today, which were tearing things up, so hopefully everyone's okay. But weather permitting, I will be going to some baseball games in person. What about you?
0: Um, I will be working from 7 to 10 a.m. on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. And I'll probably go to a comedy show um, one of the nights this weekend, so that'll be my plans. But it's interesting, the whole tornado aspect. I lived in Kansas City, and the first time those sirens went off, I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what to do. And I never really took the warnings. Of I never like got in the, the cellar. I never hid anything. And I never really saw a tornado, but it was amazing to see, like, neighborhoods like two miles away, just absolutely devastated. You, like, didn't even know a tornado was going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it is around here. And you got the tornado warnings, and you look at the sky and it's green, and it just barely passes you. And then, like, on Twitter, you know, you see, wow, that really wasn't that far.
0: There you have it. We covered tornadoes, too. So we're going to get out of here. Dilly Roto, Ricky Sanders, Tony Zagata. Give you the fantasy sports information, presidential information, NBP information, and of course, bus driving information. You heard it all here from dailyroto.com. We're out of here.